Welcome in to the World Cup betting edition of RJ Bell's Dream Preview. This is the Match Day 1 episode. This is actually the Match Day 1A episode. We're going to do the first eight games on the card and tune in early next week for the second eight games. This takes us through Tuesday. And without further ado, I'm by, by the way, I'm stop here. I'm Mackenzie Rivers. I am joined here by the man, the legend, Griffin Warner. How you doing, Griffin? I'm glad I'm not a myth. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I'll take I'll take the legend um, label. We'll see if I can keep the legend growing rather than shrinking. We'll see what happens. Um, it's very cold here in Austin, Texas, right now. So uh, shrinking, unfortunately, is a very very important thing on my mind as we speak. Hey, you've hit the last three best bets on this podcast. You're 60% on the season. You're the real deal, Holyfield, my friend. And that's, that's why cool. the people want to hear your uh, your best advice, best insights for the first eight games on this card. So Qatar, the hosts, the mysteriously selected hosts of the 2022 World Cup, they host Ecuador. They're about a quarter goal underdog. Not since 2006. So more than four World Cups ago, has a host country lost three wins and one draw in that time span. Talked about this on the Futures podcast we did yesterday. There is some mysterious uh, conspiracies going on with Qatar, but other people made the point. I think you made the point. Ecuador doesn't score a lot of goals, so maybe they shouldn't be huge favorites to win this game, but they are tiny favorites, a quarter goal favorite. What do you make of this matchup to open up World Cup 2022? Well, it seems like some money's coming in on Ecuador um, to then potentially balance that theory out that Qatar used all their money to pay off the Ecuadorian national team. Uh, there are some pretty famous players in the Ecuador national team, so I also feel like that's probably limited because I'm not sure how much they get paid off to lose a match to Qatar in the World Cup and potentially ruin their careers. But, you know, everyone's got a theory on everything. Some <laughs> may be a little bit more truthful than others. Uh, but as for this matchup, um, I'm really wondering what the Qatari crowd is going to be like. Uh, I don't really know that it's going to be as intimidating as you'd see in England or in one of the other famous um, countries known for their soccer. Um, I, I think as we kind of touched on, Ecuador is not really a goal scoring team. So um, seeing them as a favorite on the road, whether there's, there's I mean, I imagine there's going to be probably a fair amount of Ecuadorian fans there. Because uh, it seems a pretty well attended event, this one, the biggest sporting event in the world. Um, I lean to Qatar getting a quarter, uh, but I don't really know how competitive they will be. And I'm a little nervous that um, they bought their way into this tournament and really are the worst team there that don't deserve to be. Uh, and I wonder that that might be one of those things that gets exploited from an Ecuadorian national team who qualified through arguably the hardest of all um, continents to get into the World Cup from. Uh, and they play a lot better teams, got decent results against way better teams than Qatar could even dream of. So um, I guess I lean to Qatar at home getting that quarter. I feel like a draw would be a good result for them, though. Uh, so I understand Ecuador being the favorite on the road um, and don't see a lot of goal scoring in this one. This feels like a 1-1 draw. This feels like the way the World Cup's going to start off. It's funny. We got the World Cup contest on the pregame forums. Where you get, in pick, yeah, pick, get in there. It's free. It's a positive EV bet as soon as you write your name. I'm in on the pregame forums. We got people selecting Qatar in this matchup. We got people selecting Ecuador in this matchup. I feel like they both could survive. They're both going to get that half goal. Pretty much, I thought about it. Every time you make a selection in this contest, you're betting on a plus half goal because you win with a draw. So Spain, for example, minus 1,100 plus a half goal in their matchup. Uh, so you know it's a safe bet, but maybe you want to save them. Anyway, check out the World Cup contest. Ecuador, you mentioned the results they've gotten. They played Brazil, favorite, 
best team in the world, arguably favorite to win the World Cup. They didn't lose either of those games. They were two draws out of two. So I feel like this is a a game that Ecuador doesn't lose. But hey, maybe they were paid to do so. So we will see. Going on to the next game on Monday. This is uh, the group that everyone wants to see. England starts it off. They're a goal and a quarter favorite over Iran. Uh, Kyle Walker not going to be out there for England, at least to start the World Cup. What do you make of this matchup? Any vulnerabilities you see in England right now? Uh, I think there's a lot of vulnerabilities, specifically in their strategy. Um, They make decisions that, at least in their coaching staff, that I think limits their chances to run away and hide from teams. They're more talented than most teams are going to play, especially Iran. They have way more valuable players playing the biggest leagues in the world, getting paid the most highest salaries, earning the most in uh, television right deals and all that sort of stuff. But their manager, Gareth Southgate, likes to try to win games 1-0. And unfortunately, that is an old school style of football that with VAR and considering how unlucky handballs occur in Mm -hmm. penalty areas or random tackles that seem to get reviewed mysteriously, that's something you could certainly mention Qatari money about potentially. But um, I just feel like England are better than everyone that they're going to play against for most of this competition. And they should be really exploiting those advantages and playing on the front foot, trying to beat everyone three nil instead of one nil. Uh, another problem is if they win one nil here, Iran is, is taking home half of a, a, a stake right here. They get, that's a, a, a winning bet. Um, and, and so I think Iran on the other side uh, to touch on them, they have some talent, not anywhere near as much as England does or England do, but um, Iran are going to try to play really defensive football or to sit 10 men behind the ball and try to spring counterattacks to try to score. So um, I like Iran because of England's mentality. I think I'm more interested though, in under two and a quarter uh, as a total for this one. England had an interesting campaign in 2018 under Southgate where they made it farther than they usually ever make it. They made it to the final four, but matchup per matchup, I'm not sure how much uh, how much promise they really showed. So they beat Tunisia in the opening game, 2-1. They beat Panama, 6-1. They lost to Belgium. Then in the knockout, they had one of the easier uh, you know routes you can imagine. They tied Colombia 1-1. They beat Sweden. Then they ended up losing to Croatia. So, you know, no, no Germany in there, no France in there, no Brazil in there. Uh, I, I'm not sure Southgate is the guy. I'm not sure those tactics. I mean, the first team they really played in 2018, Croatia, they won 2-1, and they had a free kick goal, I remember, in the first few minutes. So it was really a 2-0 performance. Not too optimistic about England, but I'm not sure if Iran will be the team to trip them up. All right, this is the game, and we'll touch on it now. We have best bets coming up on uh, later on in the show that uh, I'll be interested in this matchup. But let's talk about it from a general handicapping perspective first. This is probably the marquee matchup of the first week of the World Cup. The USA, at least here, the USA is a slight quarter goal favorite, plus 110, so even less than that. Over Wales, these two teams around the same odds to get out of the group. Over under only two in this matchup. What do you make of this one? Uh, What are some players to watch out for for USA fans out there? Well, uh, so if we're looking at the U.S. roster, um, I actually think maybe a little bit off the beaten path. Brendan Aronson, a central attacking midfielder, uh, 10 creative type position uh, player for Leeds United. I think he's the most important player on the United States. Kristen Pulisic gets the pundits, gets all the penalty shots. He gets um, a lot of 
Uh, I think Flack also comes with the territory as I think captain of the United States men's national team. Um, but he's kind of more to me, a, a, a kind of, I mean, important for sure, but I don't think he's really the, the, the engine room that, that gets the team going. I think that really falls to Aronson and his teammate, Tyler Adams, which it's good for the U S they're like two of the only main players that are actually starting and playing all the minutes for their teams. Uh, Weston McKinney's in, in the premier league, no, no, no less in, in the premier league, in the most expensive league in the world. Uh, and based on efficient market hypotheses that says that it should be since the m- amount of money that's spent there, that it should be the best area. So those are, I think our most important players. Uh, Weston McKinney's going to be really important as well. He seems to me kind of like a, uh, a, a nuisance on corner kicks though. So that's not really a, a creativity uh, that I think the U S kind of lack. Um, as for Wales, I think the biggest names are Gareth Bale, which most people would know playing in the MLS right now. Um, pretty famous for also like not playing at all and just taking, <laughs> stealing money for Real Madrid, essentially to sit on the bench. Um, uh, but he really cares about playing for the Welsh national team. Uh, and he's going to be really important along with Aaron Ramsey, who's another creating, uh, creative player. And I feel like that's something that Wales have in their roster that the U S really needs, but the U S are considered favorites in that, in this matchup, potentially because a lot of the, the books po- that we're talking about point towards, uh, American betters. But, uh, yeah. ultimately I feel like there's a lot of value on the, on the Welsh side. Also, I, I think there's going to be, uh, it's going to be hard to score goals in this matchup as well. So under two is interesting to me as well. Jamie Carricker, a uh, former Liverpool player of, uh, from Premier League fame, said something very interesting that got me on a, a rabbit hole. He said, uh, Gareth Bale, when it all comes, when it all said and done, you look at his, his resume, he's one of the best British players in history. And it was important that he said that. He notably said that, not saying he's one of the best Welsh players ever, because that's obvious. Who else is in that conversation? I'm not sure. But I'm thinking about it. I'm like, Wayne Rooney, George Best, Steven Gerrard. Like, they arguably had as good as careers, but... Gerard won a Champions League. Bale won a Champions League. I mean, maybe it's because of the injuries later in his career. Maybe Cristiano Ronaldo gets shined so much more brightly. But I feel like he's got a score to settle. I feel like he's better than history currently remembers him. I think he is one of the best British players, you know, no filter uh, of all time. Uh, even as a left back in Tottenham, you know, he showed that class. So I'm excited to see his, you know, last hurrah. I think he's got something in the tank. I mean, you look at his best goals ever. I mean, they are some of the best goals ever and the biggest moments ever in the Champions League. So I'm rooting for him. And I also think Wales is underrated here. I think the USA uh, has a promising potential golden generation. You know, a lot of guys, 23, 24, better than USA players of the past. But I'm not really seeing results here that would make them um, a contender in this tournament. So. That's how I feel about it, but maybe it's it's just my uh, – generally, whenever I'm in a group, I'm in a room, and everyone wants one thing, I'm like, yeah, they're not going to get it. I don't want them to get it. I'm just kind of hating. I'm just kind of a hater, so maybe that's nah, why. No, 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 man. That's, <laughs> maybe that's, that's why. That's the, that's the spice of life, and that's why you get along <laughs> so well with everybody, Mackenzie. Exactly. There's a group of women out there. Uh, everyone wants the same, same one. Sometimes there's value going for the one that's a little bit uh, – Looks a little bit with more crazy eyes, you know? No doubt. Like in A Beautiful Mind, if we all go not for the blonde, then we all get laid, as uh, John Nash astutely pointed out. Uh, This game is also on Monday. Let's talk about it. Senegal is a goal underdog. They will be without their talisman, Sadio Mane. And group favorites, the Netherlands, will be a goal favorite in this matchup. Over under two and a half. What do you make here? 
I think it's going to be a really tough uh, starting match for Senegal. I think the nice part is they get the uh, they take the cough medicine first and then they get the dessert afterwards, um, hopefully for Senegal's sake. Uh, But I just um, when I'm looking at Senegal, I'm I'm trying to figure figure out how they're going to really cause problems for the Netherlands. And and ultimately, the Netherlands are going to be really aggressive on the front foot, trying to outscore every team they play, whether it's Brazil or Senegal, I think. I would give them more, uh, I guess I could give them a better chance to outscore Senegal than Brazil. Uh, but when I look at Senegal, I'm like, how are they going to withstand uh, like basically shelling for 90 minutes from Netherlands, just constantly running down the wings, firing things into the box. And, and they do have capable players. Senegal were to me the they're, they're looked at as the best team in the Africa cup of nations uh, and did win the, the event. Um, but ultimately how do you, how do you measure that? Uh, that tournament versus this one, the, the strongest that's out there. Um, when I look at their team for Senegal, Edward Mendy and, and was a great goalkeeper for Chelsea for about a year, but has lost his job and really hasn't been as good or and has kind of shown that he's got a lot more faults than I think was originally, originally noticed uh, when he first started playing, but um, he's a decent goalkeeper and Kaladu Kaladubali, who's also on Chelsea is a good defender who hasn't really been in the best kind of run of form. Uh, maybe they get back to playing well on the world stage in the toughest tournament out there. I would unfortunately beg to, or I would assume that will not happen out of the blue. So um, how do Senegal keep up with Netherlands on the scoreboard? Um, and I don't see it without Sadio Mane, honestly. So um, I'm interested in Netherlands, I guess, giving a full goal. It's really weird for me to say out loud. Um, I do like the, the goal of insurance is that's a really important thing in this sport, but I'm not sure it's enough for me for Senegal. And I honestly feel like two and a quarter is a pretty low total for what Netherlands is going to want to do out there, which is basically attack for 90 minutes. Um, even if they fall behind one nil on a fluke goal by Senegal, I still feel like Netherlands are going to be in good shape to, to win this matchup. So, uh, I, I think the Netherlands can, can cover this over number themselves almost. So I like over two and a quarter in, in that matchup. I like it. I like it. A rare over from Griffin. Yeah. Yeah. Usually trying to fade the public, but Hey, value is value. I'm interested. Uh, I know you got into betting European soccer, hardcore last few years, but the manager of Netherlands, Luis van Gaal was a, a short-term manager for Barcelona back in the day for, for the Netherlands back in the day before this for Bayern Munich and for Manchester United. Um, and then he took a joiner for five years. He was off, and he just started back with the Netherlands. Uh, were you following the Premier League back in his short, ill-fated Luis van Gaal's uh, Manchester United stint? I was a little bit, and I think there's a lot of uh, talk about how bad he was at Manchester United. There is. Uh, that's like that's mostly how I know him. That people talk about, oh, you don't want to be like this guy's tenure at Man U. Yeah. The was the was that warranted part, so- though? I mean, because something I was thinking about when you're talking about Gareth Southgate earlier, it's just it's a really thankless job. Um, a lot of these international managing positions, because ultimately you get paid less than the, the clubs will pay you. You only show up every two or four years and the really, really high expectations, specifically for the English job is, is insane, but it's still very high uh, for the Netherlands as well. And ultimately, I think Louis van Gaal ended up taking this job because his predecessor, Frank de Boer, was horrible. And Ronald Koeman was awesome, but then left for Barcelona. It seemed to be a, a normal transition for a lot of managers. Uh, they they go there and then they leave 
pretty quickly. Uh, and then they were kind of like flailing around, not really sure what to do. Uh, they brought Louis van Gaal back because they played really well, I think, under him in the 2014 World Cup, I believe. Yep. Yep, they um, killed. I remember they killed Spain in the opening round to avenge the, the 2010 final. That was a notable 5-1 event. Yeah, and I think Spain didn't get out of the group uh, as, as most World Cup champions have really struggled, looking at you, France. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I mean, unfortunately, it's a different game managing on an international level than a club level. And, and I don't really know how to measure um, success in one and how you look on the other because uh, it's really just a different ball game, and it kind of depends on on what state of the club is while you're while you're there, and really how young the golden generation of your country is, also. Netherlands minus two seventy five to win the group can go a long way. They get that first win over Senegal to start off Van Gaal's campaign. Moving on to Tuesday, Argentina is the biggest favorite on the board that we are looking at. The first eight games of the World Cup, Argentina is laying two goals minus six hundred on the money line. To Saudi Arabia over under 2.75 about what do you make of this matchup in Leo Messini's 2020 World Cup debut uh I'm wondering how long it's going to take Argentina to have such control of this matchup that they're putting him uh on the sideline to rest um I think Saudi Arabia unfortunately are one of the worst teams in this competition and I don't know that the 4 a.m. wake up is going to be uh, a realistic possibility for me <laughs> for this one. I got to say, I don't know about 2 a.m. your time. That's like a ne- don't go to sleep type of moment. But I'm not really sure that's that's something you want to do, because uh, I think this could get ugly really quickly. Um, unfortunately, when things point in the favor's direction so vehemently, I feel like a lot of times you'll see a decent performance from the underdog. But I just don't see how Saudi Arabia can do this. I think they're going to be. Um, similar to Senegal, but in a worse situation, just trying to deal with cannon fire the whole time from Argentina and Argentina are going to be on the front foot. They're going to have like 10 strikers on the pitch at the same time. Right. It feels like, and, and that's going to be a really, really tough scenario, but kind of like Senegal, if you get the cough medicine out of the way first, then maybe uh, the market will extreme downgrade you extremely. And maybe there'll be some value on Saudi Arabia off after this one. Uh, but Argentina minus two um, seems like a, a pretty big hurdle, but ultimately not when you consider the differences in these two nations. And I think over two and three quarters also looks uh, like my most interesting part of this this matchup. I agree. I feel like Argentina is a land of forwards. They have 10, 15 forwards, and usually there's a struggle to get a bunch of them on the pitch and making an impact. So I feel like Argentina is going to get up and down, take a lot of shots, because usually you could wait till later in the tournament when you're up you know, two games to zero and you have two wins in your first two to do this. But Argentina is in a rare opportunity where this first game seems like the free square. All right. So we'll move on for Tuesday. Uh, I know you have interest in this game. Denmark laying a goal, a little bit more than a goal, a goal minus 125 versus Tunisia. What do you make of this matchup over under just two? Yeah, I think that speaks to what Denmark are known for, and that's defending. Um, so not a lot of room for uh, Tunisia in this one. Um, I guess, I guess if you're if you like Tunisia, you might want to look towards under because you get a little bit more room with that two and a quarter uh, total. Yeah. Um, Denmark, I mean, I I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I'm I'm a big fan of what they've done. Uh, really, ever since the European Championships, when Christian Eriksen passed out in the middle of a game or his heart stopped uh, beating and looked like he was dead on the pitch. 
Um, they still, and he was the most important player for them. Then he is now he's had time to kind of get back to match fitness, scored a good goal for Manchester United in their last match, uh, before the break. And, um, I see him as a creative, uh, inspiration that Denmark really needs. And, and ultimately they didn't have, but still made a pretty deep run in a more competitive, I think, tournament than what the world cup looks to be based on the quality of, of the opponents in, in that event. Um, I really like what they do defensively. They look like a solid, solid block. And they honestly have been gotten a fair amount of respect from odds makers over the uh, past few international breaks. And I feel like I'm kind of trying to play that way as well, recognizing that they're getting a lot of respect. And and I've really liked what I've seen. I also feel like they have a lot of players that are, are really talented that aren't really well-known on international stage. So like when you hear Denmark, you don't think of a powerful footballing nation, but I think there's a lot more talent there than a lot of people recognize. Um, and unfortunately, Tunisia have to deal with that. Tunisia is not bad, I don't think, but I think they're going to struggle um, to really kind of defend Denmark. And then I think they have very little chance at scoring. Um, so I think under two and a quarter is probably my strongest lean in this one. Uh, I don't really want to fade Denmark, but I do. I think that's a way to back them and their defense and then just making it really tough for Tunisia to do anything. I kind of like Denmark minus 215 in this matchup. Uh, where you get the, uh, you know, one zero victory, and that's a victory. Yep. You mentioned the twenty twenty two, I guess twenty twenty. It was called the twenty twenty Euros. I know it was played in some other year, but let's not worry about it. Yeah. Uh, where Denmark made the final four, and other people have made this point. I think it's pretty true. The World Cup is the biggest sporting event in the world. It's definitely the biggest football soccer tournament. Arguably not the best competition. The Euros generally have 24 of the best teams, 24 better teams. There's no Saudi Arabia in the Euros. There's no Qatar in the Euros. So the fact that Denmark made it to the Final Four, yeah, that, that does say a lot uh, to where they are as a footballing nation. All right, we'll move on here. Also on Tuesday, Mexico. These are This is probably uh, the most competitive matchup I see on the first eight games. Or pick them. Exactly pick them. Either one you want. Minus 108. Versus Robert Lewandowski in Poland, over under is two on this one. Uh, what do you make of this matchup? Yeah, I think this is a uh, going to determine who gets through this group. Um, ultimately, I think it's going to be a tough one, and, and I'm not sure how much of a challenge any of these teams will give to Argentina. Uh, but Mexico just aren't really the the Mexican national team that we're used to. Uh, El Tri just doesn't really seem to have the goal scoring punch, or at least they didn't against CONCACAF. So I feel like now going against one of the best teams in the world, um, not that Poland is is going to be a real threat to win this event, but I do think that they're a stronger defense than what a lot of CONCACAF can boast. And unfortunately, that's going to be really tough for Mexico to score. They have done really well in this competition for years, but I feel like it's because they've had more talent than they do now. I don't know if it's the Mexican league that's that's gotten a lot weaker or really how to explain it, but they just don't seem to have the same kind of bite that they did in the past. I mean, the U.S. is no longer afraid of going into uh, Estadio Azteca and right. things of that nature. And I think that speaks to kind of the talent level of Mexico kind of falling from from where it once was. Um, as you mentioned, Robert Lewandowski, the, I think, most potent scorer in all of, of international football and all of football right now, or, or soccer, as we call it here in the U.S. Um, I think he is, I mean, he's shown in his time at, at Bayern 
Bayern München uh, and also at Barcelona that he can create goals and score from very low XG chances. Uh, and that's one of the most important things in an international competition that probably, and especially this match, it doesn't look like it's going to have a lot of goals. Uh, total is two. Uh, I don't really know that there's a lot of value in under there because it's such a low number, but I'm kind of surprised with a name like Robert Lewandowski that you'll see a total this low. So the market doesn't seem to think that there's going to be much happening in this one. Um, as you mentioned, you can't split this line any closer at pick them with the exact same juice going both ways. Uh, for me, I, I lean towards Poland, I think is the strongest of my feelings on this one. Uh, maybe if this one ticks up a little bit because the juice is pretty high in the over, maybe to look under. Uh, I just don't think that Mexico have a lot of goal scoring in that team. And I do think that they're able to keep Poland relatively quiet. It's interesting to me, this game's pick them and they're both about the exact same odds to win the group. But when you look at odds to advance, not just on Bet Online, but other books too, it's like five, 10 cents. Uh, Mexico has the advantage. And I wonder why. I guess that market is one that they view they can add a little more vig. And if you're going to add a little more vig, why not to the team, to the nation that has just more betters? Even though Mexico is not the richest nation in the world, a lot closer to the US, a lot more US money. Uh, I would just venture that more Mexico money has come in on this uh on this tournament than poland but i'm not sure i'm not sure it's interesting it might be i mean honestly i don't i know that history seems to matter to a lot of betters in certain areas trends and things of that nature um mexicans have been really good in this competition and they uh are i don't know that they've ever failed to advance they seem to always exit in the round of 16 whether they're a great team as a favorite or not um, but I, I think that maybe people are looking to history uh, and that how well Mexico has done in this tournament, thinking that it's Mexico, they get through, that's what they do. I just would caution a lot of people for that because unfortunately um, the, the guys that were playing four years ago, I'm not even yeah. sure how many are on this roster right now. Chitorito is not walking through that door. That door. Rafael Marquez is not walking through that door. Uh, Stefano. I feel like this, he was Mexican. He might be Spanish. I don't know. One of those guys that won the champions league in the sixties. I don't know that one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's 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 one to watch. I'm going to say I lean to Poland. I feel like Mexico has a brand name that might not be commiserate with their current talent level. I agree with that. France, defending champions. Mexico beat Germany, the defending champions, in 2018. They beat them 1-0. Talk about how they usually overperform. But France is the defending champions that's going to underperform in this one, history says. But they are a goal- 1.75 goal favorites over Australia to open up the World Cup. Minus 375 on the money line. Uh, any leans or likes in this matchup? Uh, I don't like Australia. I'll put it that way. Uh, right. I'm very surprised that they're in this event. Uh, they played, I think it was Peru in, a, in the playoff to get in. And it was one of the uglier paint dry, watching grass grow type of matches that were out there which is exactly what Australia wanted. They did their best to nullify any sort of attack that Peru threw out at them. Uh, Peru, though, were one of the even stronger counterattacking strategies uh, than even Ecuador. Ecuador is like, wow, we're going to try not to attack at all. And Peru are like, hold my beer. We're going to do it <laughs> more. Um, and, and so one of the other things, maybe it's Peru's own fault for not being more aggressive, but they had to, from what I remember, they had to kind of take initiative and never found a goal and then had some crazy goalkeeper substitution. The the backup for Australia did some voodoo stuff or whatever in the net and the Peruvians couldn't handle it. Um, but yeah, I just, to me, I feel like I'm surprised that when, when they're so willing to give 
the marketplace that is, is so willing to give Argentina a two goal favorite. Why, why is France like hanging in there below two goals? Not and and certainly more juice that I'm seeing right now on Australia as well. So this one almost looks like it's falling closer to one and a half than to one and three quarters, and certainly closer to that than two. Um, and that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I feel like money will come in on France until this one kicks off. I expect that money line number might jump uh, quite a bit, but I just don't really think Australia with a strategy to uh, try to like be behind the ball and try to just pr- to nullify France for 90 minutes uh, plus stoppage time. I feel like they're going to be exhausted. Uh, and I don't really think they threaten the, the French defense at all. So um, to me, I feel like over two and three quarters is worth looking at. I like France get at one and three quarter goal favorites. Um, you might even see this hit one and a half. So you win a full bet on a two goal victory. Um, I just feel like this is a Australia try to limit the damage. Um, they're probably not going to extend out to attack at all. So uh, I really don't like them getting less than two goals here. I know Australia had a guy, Tim Cahill. That was pretty good back in the day. I feel like brand name, they have a little bit more than Saudi Arabia, but France and Argentina, I know, I'm very confident, would be close to a pick on a neutral. They're both similar in the World Cup futures odds. They both have world-class players at all 11. So the question is, when you're comparing those two odds, why is Argentina minus two, France about to be minus one and a half? Who would you take on a neutral, or do you think there's a big gap between Saudi Arabia and Australia? Um, if you're asking me France versus Argentina on a neutral or who are you? I'm I'm saying I'm positing that that's close to pick them, that that's that the difference in this line is not because of that difference, but because of the difference potentially between Saudi Arabia and Australia. I do think so. It seems like the whole Saudi team plays in Saudi Arabia and it's hard to say Mm. what level of talent that is compared to an Australian team that has uh, a goalkeeper that plays for Copenhagen and then also some other players that are in the Italian leagues or in, um, I want to say Aiden Vucic is somewhere. Uh, I can't find him. Yeah. Yeah. He plays for Verona in, in Italy. Um, so there's some talent, I guess, on this Australian team that is, um, playing outside of their own home country, which says something. So maybe they'd be a favorite on a neutral if they played. Um, but it wouldn't be a big one. I don't think. And I kind of say like, the French, the amount of talent is on that French team. Like maybe they don't have a Messi. Um, I mean, Mbappe, I think is the most dangerous player and probably the most feared player in the world for me, if I'm on the other side. Um, but maybe just like top end talent, there might be a little bit more of, of the kind of finished products in the Argentina lineup. But I think France is better on a neutral, um, maybe less likely to win because they don't have that leadership type thing that, that, that excuse me, that Argentina does um, or do. But yeah, I mean, I think if if essentially if they're playing, if France is playing Argentina on a neutral pitch in this competition, which they may, um, I, I'm taking France if they're getting a quarter of a goal. Right. So it's at least close enough where a quarter of a goal would be enough value for you to strike. Tend to agree with you. I feel like the brand name of Australia is uh, potentially uh, a little bit stronger than it needs to be. So if it's two goal victory for France, you don't lose. I talked about how France might disappoint in this tournament. Maybe not to open things up. We'll see. All right. So that was the first eight games. Group A, or I'm sorry, match day one, A, first edition. Check out the feed early next week. We'll get you the second eight games, hitting the World Cup hard and heavy. But that means we got best bets coming up. But first, let me save you a little bit of money on pregame.com. Go to pregame.com. You look at the buy pick section. You'll see some of the best handicappers. 
doing their thing. They'll talk about their recent records. They'll talk about the sports they're diving into. You can read their recent picks. If you go to their page, read all their picks, all their write-ups. You can see how they're doing their craft. And if you're interested, if you want to tag along, if you want to learn or just uh, or just profit with us, you can save 20% off using this promo code CUP20. I want a CUP20, World Cup, as in the World Cup, 20 is the promo code, CUP20, and you save 20% off anything on the website. Of course, if you're listening to this, I hope you were listening yesterday or it's in your feed, the World Cup Futures Edition. Check that out. Check the best bets out. Uh, you might be interested in that. And do us a favor. Use that promo code CUP20 to save 20% off and check out that pregame podcast, the Futures World Cup Edition, where we also talk about uh, some of our favorite bets for this upcoming World Cup. Without further ado, let's get into our best bets. Griffin, again, you've been killing it all season. Uh, you get, uh, you won the coin toss, my friend. You get to, to defer or to accept the ball to start off, uh, kick off for the best bets section here. I, I will kick. Um, I'll let you choose the side um, that you want to, what direction you want to point. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with the under in the United States men's national team against Wales uh, matchup. This is on Monday evening in Qatar, but ultimately uh, the afternoon here in the great United States of America. I'm going to go under two for this one. Um, Juice is split right now, both ways, minus 108. So uh, not getting too much of an advantage either way. I'm not really sure where this one closes. Um, I would imagine some over money comes in because that seems to be what happens in every sport in this world. But um, you never know with the World Cup. Uh, but I, I like under in this one because I think I think there's a, a really good shot for Wales to, to win this matchup. Uh, but I think it's going to be low scoring if they do. I also feel like in a similar uh, twist of fate that the U.S. don't have a ton of goals in them either. Uh, and I feel like it could end goalless. Um, it's very, very possible because I, I feel like it's two teams that are going to try to try to do as much as they can to nullify the other. I think you, the U S will have more possession most likely, um, but I don't think they have the same level of threat that the Wales, uh, the Welsh national team does. Um, so I'm going to go under two. Um, I, I feel like it's going to be tight throughout, going to be a good game to watch and a real good way to start this uh, competition. I think both teams see a draw here as a minimum, because these are the two teams that I think see themselves most likely to go second to England to advance to knockout rounds. It's interesting. Every World Cup seems to have a tenor that we don't really know beforehand. 2006, the average goals per game was 2.2. 2010, about 2.3. Then it jumped up to 2.7 in 2010. I'm mean, sorry, 2014 and 2018. I feel like we might get a reduction here where it's a very, very novel circumstance. The fans there aren't allowed to do things like drink or pray. So I'm not sure. I think it's going to be a weird cagey vibe. Not unlike uh, during COVID when there was no fans in the stands and it was just weird every game and often low scoring. So I'm going to stick in this game for my best bet. I like that you're on the under because I do think it's going to be tight. And that gives me value, I think, on Wales plus a quarter goal here. Two best players on the pitch said it yesterday. I definitely agree. Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsey. Jamie Carragher, I was listening to him talk and I feel like he is correct in that Gareth Bale has one more thing to do to cement an all-time career, and that's perform well in this tournament. Aaron Ramsey, he's had injury issues. He's back to fully healthy. He's playing. USA has more brand name because, hey, 300 million people, 
some of the richest people in the world. Elon Musk, he came all the way from South Africa to party here in the USA. That, I think, attracts a little bit of dumb money that I want to take advantage of. From a footballing perspective, I feel like I at least have an even team and I'm getting a quarter goal. Doesn't get more simple than that when it comes to uh, a plus EV value handicap, in my opinion. So I'm going to take Wales plus a quarter goal. Griffin, you are the soccer guru. Uh, so I hope, I think I have a good bet, but I'm wondering what you what you make of it. I mean, I like it. I, it's It was either uh, Wales or the Wales under, honestly, for me in right. this one. Thank um, you. I'm a little bit tempted to play both myself because I do feel like while it's really, really nerve wracking to have two bets going on side and total in the same game, uh, I feel like those are some of the times where you feel best about something. And that might be uh, what you end up finding me do on, on Tuesday afternoon. Right. Sometimes you got a good beat on things and um, you get the under and the side you're looking at because the side you're looking at is pretty good at defense. That'll do it for match day 1A. World Cup Soccer Betting Edition. Thank you, Griffin Warner. I am Mackenzie Rivers, and we will check you early next week for the second batch of World Cup games. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the action. This is this is the best. Doesn't get better than this.